Welcome to Behind the Brands. So, you found us. <laughs> well done, you. Our little podcast all about the fashion industry. Let me just tell you about the host and the creator of this podcast. The guy's from the UK and his name is Warren Parker Mills. Warren's literally worked with some of the best people in the business and met some incredible brands along the way. Now he feels it's time to kind of do things a little differently. He'll be catching up with amazing storytellers from across the globe as they share some of those unwritten secrets that they've managed to figure out for themselves. From brands you'll recognize to small artisan creators that have mastered their craft. You'll hear about their collections, sales, and their ongoing quest for sustainability. So if you're an aspiring designer, an influencer, or just a massive fan of listening to fascinating conversation, stay right where you are. Oh, thanks for the intro, Paul. So professional. Week in, week out. You're so consistent. Unbelievable. Anyway, how you doing, listener? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Brands podcast. And in today's show, you'll hear my conversation with Angela Quintrell. And Angela has had the most amazing, trailblazing career, really, as a professional buyer. She now also runs the AQ Market, which is kind of a collective, really, of emerging designers from all over the world from her two showrooms, one of which is in London and the other one is in Paris. Don't forget, you can always share this episode as well, um, especially if you know somebody that's worked with Angela in the past, because honestly, this was a great interview. I found out loads of little things about her that I had no idea she'd done or her experiences in life. So enjoy the conversation and I will see you on the other side. Hi, Angela. Welcome to Behind the Brands podcast. How are you doing? Are you good? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Yeah, it's great to have you on. I'm so, so pleased. I've I've known you for, what, six months now, but it seems a lot longer. In a nice way, Angela, in a nice way. But no, no, not at all. Not at all. But you know what? I think, you know, you are an absolute legend in the industry. And I think it would be great to find out a little bit more about, about you and growing up and how you got into fashion and how you got into yeah. buying. Because again, you've got a great history in buying. Um, so, how did it all start, Angela? Where Where are you from originally? Um, I was actually uh, born in London, um, but my mother came over from um, Prague, which was part of the Austria-Hungarian Empire in, in those days at the end yeah. of the war. She came on the boats and um, she didn't bring her husband with her. Um, but there's the man in, in my life who was called um, Francis, who never he never would let me talk about my mother or about himself. He would never admit he was my father. It's right. not my birth certificate. It's not anywhere. He never said he was. Yeah. Um, and if I talked about it, he just used to get very upset. So um, my mother um, unfortunately died when I was five. Wow. So he then, um, he brought me up. I didn't live with him. I lived with uh, an Austrian nanny and um, in, in um, Paddington. Mm-hmm. Um, my father came over again. He came from Vienna. I've only just found out maybe last year that actually he was Jewish because I never knew it. He never said he was and I never knew he was. Wow. So he must have got out from there. Then he, he went to Scotland and became a designer at Braemar. So that, ah. I guess, was his entry into the fashion scene and probably the start of mine. Um, so he looked after me. And when I was a, a child, um, he'd come and see me every day. We'd go to like Claridge's for lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd go to St. Moritz to ski in the winter, to um, Venice Pontresina in the summer. So he, you know, he looked he looked after me totally. Yeah. Um, then he was um, 
going out with, um, she's, she was a very famous um, fashion um, person. She started as a fashion buyer at Harrods. Then right. she went to Simpsons of Piccadilly. Then she went to Fortnum and Masons and was the first woman at that time to ever have been made a director. So she was made a director of Fortnum and Masons. Mm -hmm. She was the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. I mean, evidently, the, the traffic in Piccadilly when she walked along used to just stop. Um, <laughs> wow. But she was, they then um, adopted me and she was the most horrendous to me. I mean, she used to throw hangers at me, drag me by the floor on my hair and um, oh, wow. all sorts of lovely tricks like that. Yeah. How old were you then then? How old? Um, what, 13, what? 13. 13. Okay. Yeah, so you were, 13. you were at that kind of puberty, just trying yeah. to work out who you are yeah. and, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. going from a, from a girl to a woman, that must've yeah. been difficult. Yeah. yeah. And actually my father, um, he, he started then in fashion, he started his own, um, he was at high end of um, women's uh, fashion um, coat suits, dresses. And then he was an agent for like a rainwork collection. And mm -hmm. so he started me into fashion. And when I was 11, I was selling at his sample sales. He used to call them Molly sales. I don't know why, but he did. Um, <laughs> so I used to be selling at those. So I was really born into that. Um, I went to theatrical school um, because I was a dancer. So I was I, I went to theatrical school and I was uh, doing dancing. Yeah. Um, I was also um, a photographic model at that time. And um, my father died when I, well, I call him my father, so he's nowhere is it written, but um, when I was 18, he died, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And um, I then was tried to go into his business and run it, but I couldn't. It was, it was like, mm. it wasn't possible for me. Yeah. So then I started to um, decide where to go and work. So I went to, it's, unfortunately, Debenhams is now gone, but it's the original Debenham and Freebody, the building on um, Wigmore Street. Okay, I know. Yeah, I know exactly yeah. where that is. Yeah. Yeah, I went there um, and I've had incredible bosses in my lives, which have really tailored my life and I think kind of made me who I am and given me the um, maybe the crazy little things that, you know, that, are, are, you know, that I need to have people do and how it has to be done. But mm -hmm. I think they've all given that to me. So when I was at, um, went to Debenham and Freebody, all I was allowed to do, I was assistant to Miss Mannering in the knitwear department. Okay. I spent most of my days because she had glasses and her lenses were all in, always falling out and falling into one of the knitwear cellophanes. All the knitwear was in cellophane. And it was <laughs> so I used to spend most of my day trying to find her lenses. <laughs> and um, yeah, I did get, I got good training, I guess. Um, but I knew, I, I know how to fold knitwear immaculately and I still know how to do it. We weren't allowed to talk to customers, but um, we, you know, so we used to just train. And then we did the treat of us. I think there were four of us. And the treat of our day was that there was a Godiva chocolate um, little shop at the front of the store. And we used to have to do lunchtime relief there. So we used to spend our, our days stuffing our faces with Godiva chocolates there. <laughs> Um, oh, but, uh, yeah, but I did. I did learn a lot. Martin Moss was there at that time, who was a great guy who went through into Simpsons, and I think he was in Harrods at the end. Mm -hmm. um, from there, I went to. Um, I thought, I think, yeah, my father died when I was eighteen. From there, I went to um, Aquascutum. Yeah, and that was an amazing, amazing, amazing training. I mean, super strict. You had to have your hair in such a way, and this and that. Um, and I had a wonderful boss there called Avis Garnier, and Avis was the sort of woman she always she had long hair and always wore it up but on a Saturday she'd wear it in a ponytail and when we were um selling to customers you used to have one person it was never us it was always like someone more important than us at the desk at the front of the store so as the customers mm -hmm. came in 
and um, I used to be there. And one thing she, I would never, ever, ever cross my arms again, because when you cross your arms like this, she'd come with her el- her things under your elbows and bash your arms up. Really? So and with crossed arms. And I've never, ever stood with crossed arms. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, been knocked out of you. <laughs> well and truly not out of me um and she used to say uh, if you want something um cheap you know inexpensive sold something that's in the sale or that's you know with the lesser of our brands don't get angela to do it but if you want a vicuna coat sold or something expensive bring her out because she's the best at that right so okay I, yeah i did my training there and we even had we had um once we did a fashion show and we had baby leopards the models were taking baby leopards along the runways i mean wow quite amazing goodness me uh, yeah so then, what 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 was it like? I mean, was the team quite big at Aquascutum at that there point? Was, I mean, it was quite big. We had there were like on that one shop floor of women's there were four buyers. Yeah, I'd say there was twenty thirty salespeople. Wow! Um, and there was a fantastic one we had. With it. I've got so many memories of that. There was one called Minta who she could sell anything to anybody. I mean, she was just incredible. I mean, I'm not a bad salesperson, but she was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then we had Miss Rooney who ran the the rain we had a whole section of the rain where mainly the trench coats as they, they still look great today but mm-hmm. in all the colors and um i was she used to like me to be there because i used to have to make sure that all the sleeves were lined up immaculately and all the belt everything was done up and everything looked perfect and if it wasn't it'd be angela and i had to like do it all <laughs> so eventually they made eventually i was there nine years um and they made me the buyer of coats and when i say buyer yes i was a buyer but i was buying from probably 95 stars i was buying 92 of them um, okay so we when you say buyer then were you um were you actually placing orders with the fact with the suppliers yeah. is that what it was okay no, right yeah okay got you yeah yeah, yeah. So, so you're I'm, responsible for production yeah, yeah yeah so i was responsible for that then um i got married mm-hmm. and still married <laughs> yeah <laughs> over 50 years and um, I decided I wanted to try and do something else. So I actually went to work for Marie Chandon, um, the champagne. and it was fab actually, because I speak French. And they were, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a lovely job. Um, used to have champagne given to you every night and bottles to take home and everything, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough for me. There wasn't mentally enough stimulation for me. Yeah. So um, someone had recommended me to Harvey Nichols and it was Harvey Nichols when they were just changing from the, um, you know, the, the very, very frumpy to what they are. Well, I think they were, they were better than they are today, to be honest. I think that Harvey Nick was then, he it was Bill Loud and again, an amazing boss who mm-hmm. totally turned us round. We also had things like when you went, you, you used to go under the ground in Harvey Nichols and come out at Marshton Snellgroves behind it. So there, there were these tunnels. Um, it was, it, I think it was one of the best places I've ever worked in with as a team because yeah. there's, so many, there's so many people sticking knives in your back. But with that, all of us fashion buyers, we all really enjoyed it. I didn't start as a buyer. I started as a sales manager of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we really did turn it around. And he took us to America and showed us what Bloomingdale's looked like. And yeah. so we understood everything. Um, and then one day he came up to me and he said, I, I want to see you. I thought, oh, God, what have I done? And um, he said, I want you to I want you to take a buyership. And I'm like, yeah, what? So he said, children's wear. I said, children's wear? But I, I've got no children. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And he said, you are very creative, you are very strong, and what I want you to do is to get all of the designers we've got to do children's wear for us. Mm-hmm. And he said, come on, you can do it. And actually, it was amazing. I mean, I, I took so much money. We had, like, um, Juliet Dunn there, Quitsia Cacherelle, 
um, Gordon Luke Clark, Jean Muir even did some little collections for us. So we, mm. we turned that into children's wear. And I took so much money. Like on a wow. Saturday, I'd stand on that shop floor and it was like the men coming in, like the divorced men with their children mm -hmm. and spending a load of money. So I did that. Um, Bill Loudon, he was he was great. He was very, very, very strict. Um, I never forget one day that we, we had our stockrooms and one of the people that worked for me had put a um, no entry sign written in hand on the stockroom door and he came and he ripped it off and he went, this does not work, does it, Angela? Do we do this? I'm like, no, 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 no. It has to all be, you know, it had to be like printed and immaculate. He was very, yeah. very, very fussy. But that's how he built, yeah. he built the store and he built it in a way fantastic way. Yeah. So he left. And, and um, was that around the, in the 60s then? Was that, yeah, was that yeah, mid, yeah, late 60s? Like, uh, late 60s, yeah. Because I got married yeah. in 68, so it was about, yeah, 70s. And yeah, I stayed okay. there, I think I stayed there seven years. Then mm -hmm. David Jaggs, who was um, the number two to, to Bill Loudon, went to Fort Lauderdale Mason and um, said to me, I've got the most amazing job for you at Fort Lauderdale Mason. I want you to buy the fashion, the perfumery, all the, everything, and a lot of money. So I went, and within a week, um, he'd got the sack. I can't tell you on the on the this what it what it, why it was, <laughs> but um, he did, and um, I hated it. With there, that was where the backbiting was like. There was like almost knives coming out of you every second. Mm. It was like horrendous. But amazing customers, like really. Yeah. Like, I'm still got a place on my wall that one of the customers who used to buy her hats from me um, gave me. Yeah. Um, so I I left there, and um, I went to Liberty. And as Liberty, I was, um, they started me off, um, again, at an amazing boss, Ros Christie, who's still my very good friend. Um, we, I started me off in suits and coats, which was the classic suits and coats. We had, um, like, Stephen Marks was in there, as Stephen Marks before it was Nicole, and, you know, classic coats and suits. And very soon, they thought that I should be given more. So I, I took over the design, I took over most of the floor, to be honest, all of the dresses. Mm -hmm. So then we... We the coats and suits we kind of kept as a tailored thing, and um, I never forget like on a on a Friday we had um, a coat manufacturer who doesn't exist anymore UK called Admirer, and um, on a on a Friday night I'd get them all out because we sold we on a Saturday we could sell the Ralphal. Wow. Um, they were £199, cashmere coats, camel and cashmere. And my boss, Ros, used to come down just as we were shutting and say, have you got enough coats out there? I said, count them all. And then on the, on the um, Saturday night, she'd come and count them again and see what we'd sold. And normally we'd sold out. Wow. Yeah. You know what's amazing, Angela? I mean, yeah. you, you've it, what is really incredible, you know, and as you're talking about these retailers, I'm thinking, you know, these if you get a job with one of those types of retailers, it's like it's like the ultimate. But it sounds as if you were just bouncing around all these unbelievable retailers and brands and and kind of in the mix. I mean, I can just visualize it now. If I close my eyes, I can just visualize, you know, the end of the swinging 60s and Carnaby Street and all the vibe and everything going on there. But more importantly, what is really important is obviously you were just selling product. You know, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, were, you were in an environment, a retail environment at the top of your game, selling yeah, product, exactly. which must have been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Warren, the money in the till is, mm -hmm. is do you know what I mean? It really yeah. is. And um, on a Saturday, I'd be on that shop floor and I'd make targets for the staff. So they enjoyed it. And we'd do a target and be selling. And, and you know, I had somebody I had as my Saturday boy, Mark Holgate, who now is the um, editor um, about town on American Vogue. And I actually got him into America. 
Wow. Um, and he might even be taking over from Anna Winter. So I had like I had great staff. I really did mm -hmm. some really, really good sales. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that. Then we did the designer room. Um, and then we did which was called which took the most money, the room that was called soft dressing. Okay. And, um we put in things there like Shearing Guild was my number one. I mean Shearing I I go on to work for her in the end, but I was taking in not a very big space, um, over a million a year on it. And it's just because it was different and it was easy and the women could yeah. get into it and loved it. Yeah. Um, then I started to kind of build up my designer block. And this is when mm -hmm. part of the, one of the other questions that you've asked me is um, highlights of your buying career. Mm. And one of my highlights, and it seems the more I'm doing lectures, the more people are, are noticing it and talking to me about it, is that I brought Lee McQueen in. Um, because Lee used to walk around in the designer room, it's an atrium, and they used to walk around there with his mother and used to say, I'm going to be in here one day, I'm going to be in here one day. And I said, wow. show, me, show me what you're doing. And, um, yeah, he, he, he came in and, and um, I loved it. It was the time he was at Savile Row where he was, you know, he was putting his signature into the linings of everything mm -hmm. he made. How um, old was he then, Angela? What, what age do you reckon? 21, 22. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, so the first order came in and um, we didn't pay straight away. So he phoned me up swearing and screaming at me um, that we hadn't paid. <laughs> and it wasn't even long. I think it was a day or something. Um, so, yeah, we paid. And then um, I'd started already with, um, I started then to I go back to Lee. Now, let me finish with Lee. Um, so Lee, what I had to explain to quite a few designers is that, Lee had on his shows, he had those top pieces, those dresses, those amazing pieces, which yeah. were probably two, three thousand pounds at that time. Yeah. So I used to buy like maybe two of those because what really, really sold with Lee, and I think people didn't understand it, was his tailoring, both men's and women's. I mean, Harvey Nichols, he was the biggest seller of men's suits they've ever had and they still don't have. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I knew that if I put like a jacket, a tailor skirt, a pant on a woman, she'd buy it. So whereas I'd buy like probably two of the dresses, I'd buy 12 to 20 of the tailoring pieces. Mm -hmm. um, so just to show a balance of, of you know, how it, it was, it, it always looks great. And that's the newsworthy bits. But what actually is taking your money is is those, you know, those pieces. Is the extra that, bits. Yeah. yeah, that sell, that, that really yeah. sell. Yeah, um, so yeah. I, brought in, I brought in him. The other one I brought in, who again is somebody very famous, and actually he emailed me the other day, is um, Dries Van Noten. I love Dries. Okay, wow. I, yeah, I found him at the, he was at Olympia when they were doing the shows at Olympia. I don't remember how long ago it was, but it was quite a long time. So I found him there, I found all the Belgians there. I bought him, I bought Margela, I bought Dumormister and um, um, Bickenstein, Bickenstein, yeah. And, but Dries, um, I went and bought from his house. Mm hmm. And he was like one of my biggest sellers, and evidently he still is the biggest seller in Liberty, which wow. is quite incredible. Yeah, and he did, I don't know if you saw it the other day. He did um, a video, like a little a film, and it was gorgeous. And I said to him, honestly, just everything you see, you do, never ceases to amaze me. Mm -hmm. He's so clever, and he's not changed one jot. He's mm. the same guy. He's amazing. I think he's fabulous. I think he's absolutely incredible. Um, so that was another of my ones. The, the, the funny one is that. Um, I took on John Galliano. Right. And again, his his wild pieces, they did sell actually. His like more, his sort of more wild pieces did sell, but he came in on a Saturday. I was always on the shop floor on a Saturday. And mm -hmm. he came in on a Saturday and went and put a pair of bright blue Junior Watanabe trousers on. And he ran out the store in them. We didn't see them again. <sighs> and about two years ago, um, I was in Paris with, with like my guys. And he was sitting at the cafe with his little dog, Gypsy. 
And he said, Angela, 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 Angela. So I went over and spoke to him and we were chatting away. And I said, do you remember you put those blue um, Watanabe trousers on and you never came back? He said, yeah, I do remember. <laughs> what, he just stole them? <laughs> the money. He stole them. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, it, it's wonderful to hear these stories, you know. And really, Angela, I know we're doing the podcast, which, you know, will go some way. And I'm sure not too, in, not too far in the distant future, we'll be having a few glasses of wine or champagne or whatever it is. <laughs> and we can really dig deep into these stories. But, yeah. you know, it's just wonderful to hear you because... You know, the industry needs people like you. It needs characters. It needs individuals that have got that experience and that understanding of what it's all about, you know. And and I think, you know, I'm seeing a lot. And and, and I know you're very kind of um, – you're very active at the moment with with new talent coming through which is Mm. which is the lifeblood of the industry let's face it you know Mm. and I think what is really apparent is that you seem not only to have a great eye for a sale which is great you also Mm. seem to have a great eye for um uh enterprise and opportunity and everything else um but you also seem to have an eye for talent you know you also seem to be able to spot these people before they they kind of hit the big time and that that's a real skill I mean has all your career been about that do you think that's kind of put you at the edge that's that's made the difference I think it has I I mean the the, the thing with so sad with um Lee McQueen is that um he he just couldn't sustain the 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 shows and Mm. the having to pull out that collection every time he told me that and he told me he was also seeing like dark angels and he committed suicide on my birthday oh man it's really, right yeah, very yeah. so it's not as easy as it, it seems sometimes yeah you know what I yeah. mean? and i know yeah. that he couldn't even look people in the eyes so it was, it's quite hard yeah he was, he was an amazing talent amazing amazing and i you know and so was so andreas andreas is still going on i mean i remember his 25th anniversary and he had huge tables in Paris um, for dinner and we all sat and every one of us had a waiter who was walking along the cross of the table serving the food mm. um, so and he, so he's really really he's really clever um, yeah. then I've also you know I have to say that somebody like Nicole Fari yeah but I great brand take, God, I used to honestly I used to take they did this coat which was a long wool coat with fur from here Princess Diana had it from here down to the floor Fabulous. I think it was maybe it's two ninety then, so and that's like twenty years ago. Yeah. So it was a lot, but I couldn't keep them in stock. And my best friend David was the luckily <laughs> was the sales manager. And on a sale day, on Boxing Day, I'd phone him up and I'd say, David, I've sold out. And he'd come in and and mm-hmm. fill up for me. Um, and things like that, you know, was it was so easy to sell. And again, mm. I had a, didn't have a very big floor space for them. And I think I was taking, I know I was taking over a million a season on them. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's interesting brand that, Nicole Fari. I mean, yeah. I remember it back in the day in the 80s and it was mm. really strong, wasn't it? Mm. So who do you think's doing, who do you think's doing a great job at the moment then, Angela? Who do you think kind of department store wise? Are you, where's, where's your, uh, yeah. I think it's got to be Selfridges. Mm-hmm. I think it's got to be. I know um, they're very, they're very tough with payments and um, with returns and all of that. But it's the only store right now that I go into that kind of makes me take my breath in and think. I'm not necessarily on the fashion floor, but on that ground floor mm-hmm. where they've done the whole of those, you know, that, those glasses. The sun. I wouldn't want to get a pair of sunglasses. But, yeah. Oh my goodness, you've wiped everyone else out of the water. It's just yeah. Like, you know. So and and I know Anne Pitcher. I'm pretty well the CEO. 
um, and I think she's she's done an amazing amazing job um, mm -hmm. because I think I think Harrods will I think it's I think Lydia King who's gone from Selfridges to there it certainly seems to be getting much more designer and much more interesting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I think eventually they will somebody like Phoenix I think is is really tough for them and very I know stories that are it's very 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 tough for them yeah because I used to sell I'd sell on one collection two hundred thousand pounds a year mm -hmm. for them mm -hmm. from one collection yeah wow they had you know you used to think because I would never I was terrible when I was a buyer at Liberties I wouldn't let anyone near me have the same brand as I have I used to like fight tooth and nail and I used I used to win otherwise I wouldn't buy it so I wouldn't let them have like anything I had Nicole um, but I wouldn't let them have like when I had please please and and things like that. I would just would not let them have it. But they they got it after I left, and I it just it, it worries me. I mean, I think stores, I think there will be smaller stores, and I think people will start to. I I do believe that people will start to shop. And I've talked to in the last couple of days actually. I've talked to quite a lot of people and saying, what do you think when we come out of this? And mm -hmm. Two of my friends said exactly the same thing. Both of them actually had been in the business. One, Lorraine was a buyer with me in um, Libs and um, one of the other girls was in the wholesale. And she said, I'm dying for a new dress, but I don't want any dress. I want something special. And I don't want yeah. to buy it online. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. You know, I think it is going to come back. And I think then it'll be a mix of the two together. You know, I think a yeah. bit of online and a bit of if you want something special mm -hmm. going and, and getting it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And can I just ask a quick question? Again, you know, with all the insight that you've had and and obviously from a buying perspective with the factories and everything else, have you never thought about doing your own thing? Never thought about your own brand? Has that no. never been? No? no, no, I just haven't. Why not? I don't know. I just haven't wanted to. I, it's never appealed to me at all. So many people have said it to me and it just hasn't. It just. I'm just like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in a, a small shop on my own. And I like store life and I like mm -hmm. being able to do this and do that and get the windows. And yeah, no, it's never it's never it's crossed my mind, but it's never appealed to me. Yeah. I've never thought about trying or doing it. Um, one of your other questions, which I thought was really interesting, is um, what makes a brand famous? Um, and I think there are several kind of basics for that. Um, firstly, I think when a buyer is looking at a brand, they want to know what the longevity is. So that's why particularly the Americans will watch for, they'll sit on the fence for a couple of seasons and see what's going on. Um, the other thing is that the deliveries are always on time because if they're not, you've had it. And um, that there's a signature so that, you know, a buyer and then the end customer can see that piece and say, Oh, I know that's Michael Kors. I know that's um, whatever, mm -hmm. and know exactly. So I think you need to make that signature really strong. Yeah. And see it and see it develop. Um, and newness. I think right now the word, every word I'm hearing is new, 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 new. So yeah. I think, yes, you have to keep your basics. And you know, I even I say to all my designers, don't discard your old pieces. Don't you know throw them away. Mm -hmm. Always, if there's a great body shape, especially again for America. I mean, if they. Mm -hmm. find, shape or a great pant shape they'll say where's that pant where we want it again but with a, a newness to it mm -hmm. so i think all that's really really important yeah so i mean i think what the point you're trying to make there is sometimes mm -hmm. you don't have to reinvent the wheel no. do you you know yeah. if it's not broken don't fix it no. it's often often yeah. the root so yeah. it's it's amazing and and again you know your insight is incredible so what are you up to at the moment then as a fashion consultant um, angela uh, what what's yeah. your uh, work 
at the moment I um, have my own permanent showroom in London and mm -hmm. since June I've had a new one in Clerkenwell which is lovely yeah um, I have I haven't done for the past two seasons but I have a, a beautiful showroom in Paris on Rue mm -hmm. de that is completely glass open it's big and it's really it's really nice but I haven't yeah. done it the last twice because of the, the virus yeah and then I have about 10 to 12 designers in my actually in my showroom in London okay um, which go from some of them are quite startup, some of them are, are, are further on. It just depends, you know, where they are as to how much help they need from me. Yeah. And how much work. I mean, I do everybody's costings. There's nobody that doesn't want me to do their costings. So I do everybody's costings. And, um, you know, people have said, well, how come you've got these new, all these new designers this time? Because I've got about three or four new ones. Yeah. Uh, and, I think it's I think what people like about me is I'm very very honest um mm -hmm. I don't say yes I like that and if I don't and I don't say yes that's right if I think it's wrong and um I try to I try to like look at every avenue I try to explore every avenue and especially in these days that we've just had um I if I'd have been like gloomy and down and not mm -hmm. up and just sat in my house nothing would have yeah. happened I know that and we'd probably be finished by now yeah. so I I always believe in that and I keep you know I try really really hard to make my designers um enthusiastic as well and normally yeah. by the time i've had chat to nearly i either do a, a zoom or i chat to each of them um mm -hmm. you know today i talked to basma and um just you know try and keep them cheery as well yeah so yeah you know, that, that's what yeah. i do and i introduce I, I... them to whoever i can as well like in paris if anyone walks through the door who's like you know whether they're a good buyer or whether they're pressed i always introduce them and the same in london and yeah. i like know you know as many people as they can yeah i think i you know from from my short time of knowing you you know it's it's just so apparent how an amazing connector you are of people and i know that you do more than you need to do as a fashion consultant you know you really do take these people under your wing mm. and and you're giving them so much insight and so much experience and it's interesting you talking there about prices and everything else especially for new brands coming into the market because yeah. I think if you've got a creative side to you and that just flows, it's the business side that often lets people down, isn't it? You know, mm -hmm. they, they kind of, they struggle with that. They don't yeah. understand, you know, sometimes they might not think that their, their price ticket is, they can't ask that price because they don't feel, you know, there's this imposter syndrome kind of kicks yeah. in. Yeah. How do you, yeah. how do you advise people against that? How do you nurture I them say, into kind of. I say to them, it's not because they go, Oh, but my friend would never pay that. I would never pay that. And I'm like, well, you're not their customer. Neither is your friend. Mm. Um, and a really good one um, was with who was that? With Craig Green. When I first started with Craig, um, who's a super talent, um, he was like dyeing all his own things in in the loo where he was. Actually, I went to that show not long ago, and there's still the stains where he dyed everything. <laughs> um, and he, we did his. I did his prices. He said, I can't charge that, Angela. I cannot. I cannot. I wouldn't work. My. I said, I don't care, Craig. This is the prices they're going to be. So we stayed ages, worked them all out. He went to Paris and he'd lowered them all. So one one or two of them said what's going on here and he said well Angela made these prices and they're, they're too high they're ridiculous and they said you should make them higher than she's made just do what she's done because she knows what she and do it and from then on he like he was fine and rolled mm -hmm. but it's just making them understand and making them understand that if they're not making that margin they are not going to survive mm -hmm. um you know I'm not saying you know be over the top and I'm, I'm always very careful with them I do my triangle with everybody which shows 
before we even start the range plan, it shows what you'd want the higher sale, you'd want a coat, you wouldn't want it to retail more than 3,000. And mm -hmm. from there we go back, we go back by the 2.8 to take it to wholesale, and then we go back by the 2.2 to take it to cost. And I'd show them the end at co column, which is quite scary. Yeah. The other, and yeah. say, look, your make and your fabric and everything cannot be different to that. Because I had a designer once, and he was quite famous. He won the, um, oh God, what was the award called? The Louis Vuitton Award. Mm -hmm. And um, he was buying fabric at like 70 pounds a meter and he couldn't understand why the coat was going to retail at 3000. And I'm like, well, that's why, yeah. you, have, you know, you haven't looked at your make properly. So I really do try because it is important. I'm not saying mm. it has to be inexpensive, but it has to be um, value for money, you know, perceived yeah. for money, which yeah. know, as you know, can be mean so many different things. Yeah. But so the, the more special you make something, if you're in the upper end, then the better. Um, yeah. You know, doing limited, we're talking now with doing limited editions and things like that. And I think all yeah. things like that make a customer feel special. Yeah, that's really good. It's a good insight, that actually. And again, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that you know, don't understand the mechanics behind how a brand puts a price out there, you know, and you're right. It is about margin. They have a business to run, but you know, you also, if you want great quality, then you're going to have to pay great quality yeah. prices, you know, to some extent. So yeah. uh, there are some brands that do that better than others. It will be led to said, we won't mention any names, but um, yeah. just one other thing. And I, you know, and again, I could chat with you all, all day, <laughs> but I'm sure you've got other things to do, but I know that you're doing a lot of work with universities and Yes. and kind of doing some trainings with, with bits and pieces do you want to give us a quick snapshot yeah. of, of how yeah. that looks yeah so um before the covid i'd been taken on as well i, I started work with cfe center fashion enterprise which is linked to london college of fashion but they finished that two years ago they started taking no consultants on and running it from inside um because the, i'm not going to say anymore <laughs> um but um that's pretty well finished now um, I think it's really gone, which is a shame because what we did there was one-to-ones. So um, Zoe Broach at um, the Royal College of Art, I bought um, Boudicca from her years ago and she heard and she said, come and work with us, come and work on the Innovative Hub. So I did it for about six months and then the COVID came. So I'm just waiting. She said, we're definitely going to have you back. We definitely, definitely are. Mm -hmm. um, but it hasn't happened yet. Then I did a talk for the Condé Nast um, University, which was amazing. I mean, I had amazing, amazing follow-up. And I mm -hmm. just spoke to them yesterday about trying to do some um, funding of, of the project we're in. Um, and um, that was, I didn't even realise, but that was just for marketing. So I had to kind of slant it a different way. But in a way, it, it, it all comes down to the same kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, what they did, which was good, and the same as you have done, is ask me the questions first so I can prepare it. So, yeah. Uh, and, and trying to think about it and then thinking oh, okay. <laughs> um, you're giving all my secrets away here Angela. <laughs> everyone thinks it's so natural it's so flowy no I'm only pulling your leg I know then I did the um, Regency University um, mm -hmm. which was that was very tough because it was on um, Microsoft which you just see circles with their initials on it and nothing mm -hmm. else and I'm so I mean I find what you introduced me to and this i find the best you know i didn't want yeah. to do it i know but it's much better than zoom i find it yeah. easy yeah. but that one i was like so tough and you, you don't even hear anything from them and when i'm doing a lecture i do try and do like a, a couple of sort of lighter funny bits like how do you attract a buyer's attention and i say mm -hmm. oh by putting in the subject heading i'm confirming an appointment and they come back to you and say we don't have an appointment <laughs> like, but i'm hoping to confirm you know what I, mean? but when it's, when yeah, it's like I like that, that yeah 
there's no comeback and I was so yeah. at the end of it so I was like oh I messed up that's awful anyway Stephen he, I didn't say anything to me phoned me that night and he said thank you it was amazing look at all these people who come in and written and said how great I said but there wasn't he said Angela they're a foreign a lot of them and you couldn't see them so yeah. you don't realize yeah. it. we want you to do more so that was good that's and great it's great doing, they're getting value yeah I'm doing one at Leeds next week which is a big okay one. yeah 400 and then i'm also doing this thing i think it's called smart start and it's a lecture that they asked me to do ages ago that was coming up next week they haven't told me what i'm meant to be doing yet but it's it's to startups i think and just like okay you, i guess the basics mm-hmm. um, and i'm also doing a thing with amy rowlings who um i knew her in the fashion world a long time ago and she's doing this thing that it's for people who either um have been made redundant or are looking for a job in certain areas. So what she does is she puts up the week before she puts up your, you know, your kind of your CV mm-hmm. and you say that you will give um, in a month, you'll give um, the, uh, an hour's worth of phone calls. Okay. And so you get the that people, they people write in and say, can we talk to you? And so you, you take two of them and do 30. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's just giving back. Yeah, no, that's really, really kind. That's really good of you to do. And a question I ask most of my guests, which is mm. kind of the underlying question, really. But, mm. you know, I mean, you've had an amazing career. I really do think you should write a book, Angela. I, I think that's that. the one thing that has kind of dropped into my mind. I buy it. Um, uh, but, you know, I want to just ask you the question, why do you do what you do, Angela? Because, you know, you are so, and I don't want this to sound patronizing or anything you know but you are just so given to people of time and effort experience and everything else why why are you doing it because i love it oh, that's, you can't get a better answer than that can you yeah you can't get a better answer really bad times um and i've gone through lots of tears with you know even in, in the good times when when i was doing fashion fringe with colin mcdowell which i didn't think i spoke about um, Colin McDowell decided that he wanted like a window cleaner to win this fashion fringe prize mm-hmm. um, and we never got a window cleaner but we got some good people I mean we got Erdem through that and um, who else do we get Mar- there wasn't Marcus Almeida but a few really really good people but yeah I used to go into we so we did we did all the, the choosing of the, the selection of them and I used to go into it's at Mare Street um, through London College of Fashion I used to go in like probably twice a week and see them all and then mm-hmm. once a month Colin used to come in and as Colin came in and tore them apart, I used to have to go and mop the tears up behind. Um, so, you know, things like that. So I've gone through tough times and with, with designers like on the phone crying because they, yeah. you know, they don't know what to do. They haven't got any money or mm-hmm. quite famous designers actually I've had going through that, those bad parts. Yeah. Um, this time, it, I mean, people I think are so resigned to it. I think it's so bad that there's not, you know, there's not a lot you can do in a way because mm-hmm. I, I think it will get better, but it's been very, very tough. But I really, I mean, I, I really do love it. I love, I think I love, every, I mean, I'm, I love selling. Um, I love like creative. I really mm-hmm. love clothes. I've got quite a few clothes. Oh, you wanted to say what was the fam- the best thing I bought lately? Yes, that was another question. Thank you for reminding the questions. Oh, unfortunately, I was going to say my podcast guests will not be able to see you waving. But tell us about it. Tell us about it. Well, they're they're, um, tennis bracelets in different in different glass beads. And Pete had bought me for the last, I think, three Christmases. He bought me like four. So when I've been bored, I've looked on eBay and I've got some at really good prices. So I've now got (laughs) I think I've got 12. 
<laughs> good for you. It's a good question, that, especially knowing your taste. I wondered where it would go, you know, and I was expect. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting a load of bracelets from eBay. I'll be truthful with you, but that's fine. That's all good. Listen, Angela, I've so enjoyed it, and I knew I would, and it's been a great chat, and I know we have lots of chats on and offline, and um, yeah. you've just been wonderful. And and how can everybody kind of contact with you? How can, how can people get in touch with you? Angela what's um, the best way on my email so um Angela at AngelaQuaintral.com yeah okay and you're also on LinkedIn right you're also on LinkedIn also as well LinkedIn. if they go on um Angela Quaintral LinkedIn because I've got HMR, yeah. which shows about the business yeah uh, I've got Angela Quaintral which is more um we still have like we still have products and everything on there I also yeah. have Instagram Angela Quaintral and AQ Market as well cool so okay. all but probably the best way to make sure you do get to me because sometimes they get lost on the the LinkedIn's. Yeah, no, that's really kind. And I'll put your, I'll put AQ market in the, um, in the show links anyway. So everyone, and I'll put your details in there. So that's all cool. Wonderful. Well, listen, it's been a delight. I knew it would be. Um, Thank you for your time, Angela. And um, yeah, I'm glad you've had a good time. It's again, I knew, I knew you'd come out with some gold and you certainly have not underperformed there. So (laughs) thank you, Angela. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. What a lovely, genuine lady Angela is. Please reach out to her, guys, if you enjoyed her story. I know she'd really, really appreciate that. So, um, And don't worry, Angela, it won't be long now before we're enjoying a glass of fizz somewhere in the world. But in the meantime, I've got another podcast to bring. Um, and that's what I'll be doing next week. So next week, I'm talking to Burbo from Burbo Couture. This guy is really talented. He's a really charismatic guy. And he's never happier than searching like halls of markets for wonderful fabrics to create incredible dresses for his clients so that's definitely one you should be listening to next week so I'll see you for that episode and in the meantime if you're on Clubhouse please dig me out obviously you can follow me at Warren Parker Mills Um, I'd love to chat with you I'd love to speak to you in person I'd love to get your feedback on the podcast and yeah let's uh, let's build up a proper conversation for a change anyway until then take care and I'll see you soon Behind the Brands was brought to you in association with BeforeStores.com. Go check it out. You can discover new brands, meet the makers and their products before they go into stores. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review. We'd really appreciate your feedback. You can also subscribe for future episodes by tapping the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, keep learning, keep listening and keep creative.